Holy, holy are you, Lord God. We thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for being here. Lord, we cry out to you as our Lord God and our maker. Lord, you have appointed this time for us to be here today. You have appointed, God, these songs of worship to sing, to come from our lips, Lord. You have appointed this time for us, God, to study your word, to seek your face, Lord. We know this is your will, God, and in your will, Lord, we continue to seek you. And God, we ask in your will that you would speak through your word. Holy, holy are you, our Lord God Almighty. We love you so much. We pray that you'd anoint and bless your word now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to return now to our regular study now through that. We took a break uh, as we were... uh, uh, doing a little series of when tragedy strikes a fallen world. And so this morning we're coming back as we finish that. And we will be uh, continuing our, our study through this book that we took a break from. Uh, as you're turning there, just real quick, uh, this Wednesday night is our Koinonia meal. And we're going to have a time of worship and prayer. So just a simple time of worshiping and prayer. I ask you guys to come out and join us for that. And then Friday night, we have our couples fellowship too at our house. So invite your couples to come out for uh, fellowship and just a great time of being together, getting to know each other, and of course, talking about Jesus and God in our life. Well, we already prayed, and so we're going to get right into our study here, Second Peter. And we're going to be looking at Second Peter chapter 2. Chapter 2 from verse 10 through 22 this morning. We're going to finish this whole chapter and take this whole chunk. Now recently you guys know that after the fire, we've been aware of a lot of scams that have been going on targeting the residents there, the survivors, those who've lost a lot there. And and there's these imposters, they're masquerading, right? As what I was reading, FEMA put out a warning that there's these imposters masquerading as inspectors that they would call or just show up and ask you that, well, we're from FEMA, we're going to inspect your property, help you out there. But the thing is, they charge a fee. And FEMA says, look, we don't do that. We don't collect any money. We don't do any of that. I even was reading how there are scams targeting uh, people uh, trying to get DNA, right? Collecting DNA samples. And the government agencies, local and federal, are saying, hey, look, we don't call. We don't solicit DNA samples, especially asking for a payment up front. So we understand that there are those scammers out there. There's those imposters masquerading uh, to be something that they're not. I was thinking about, you remember, if you're old enough, or maybe you've seen it, remember Wizard of Oz, right? You remember? And remember how there wasn't a Wizard of Oz, a powerful being. But when Toto the dog pulled the curtain back, behind the curtain was just this guy, just a human being, fooling everybody else. Well, 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 that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing with scammers and all. 
You know, look back in history, we find this person in history used Christian vocabulary and talked about the blessing of the Almighty. Those are the words he uses. He, he declared that Christian confessions, yeah, uh, doctrines and, and truth would, will become the pillars of the new government. He conveyed to the people in his speeches the weight of responsibility before God to live before him. And, and, and especially he, he touted all this to, to the church and they advertised this too. He held up actually a tattered Bible and said his strength came from the word. And many people welcome him as a man of God. But later, not only the church, but the word saw that this was all talk to just win them over. Matter of fact, everyone saw the opposite when all was revealed. Behind the curtain of all this Christian talk was an evil and wicked man. His name, Adolf Hitler. Well, as we get into our passage today, we see Peter exposing the false teachers and the false prophets. And he peels back the curtain to see who they really are. So I titled our message this morning, Behind the Curtain. Behind the Curtain. We're going to be studying Second Peter uh, chapter 2 from verse 10 to 22, as I mentioned. And we're going to see here, we're going to find how the false prophets and these false teachers, how four things that they are. First of all, number one, I'll give it to you right now. They think they are really something. Number two, they think they are above everything. They think they can say anything. And they think this, but are really nothing. So that's our outline. Basically, something, everything, anything, nothing. But that's what they think. It's a little long in our our little headings here. But that's our points we're going to see. So behind the curtain... Peter reveals, first of all, number one, they think they are really something. They think they are really something. Now, we're going to cover verse 10 and 11 in this section. So uh, let's go ahead and read that here. It says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. And we'll stop here. Now we begin in verse 10. Peter, he's writing about those, especially those. And who are these people that Peter are talking about? Well, he's talking about the false teachers. He's talking about false prophets that even back then in the ancient time in the early church they were going around and they were they were talking like they were sent by God but they really weren't sent by God they were talking about spiritual things and that God wants this but really God did not say any of those things so Peter's exposing these guys and as we come into verse 10 and it says and it connects us to verse 9 especially those he's talking about uh, right above that in verse 9 
uh, the unrighteous who are under punishment until the day of judgment. And remember last time we, we were in the book, we talked about that justice will be done. That was the title of our message, that God will take care of those who scam you, those who, 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 who go after you for their own gain. And so Peter continues here to peel back the curtain to let us see that especially those now, this is how they're characterized, those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion. What is that? Indulge here is talking about this is, this is what they're into. This is what they walk in. This is what they like. And what is it? Defiling passion. That's uh, uh, unpure desires. Really, Peter is talking about the works of the flesh, our sinful nature, uh, of what human nature in its worst that we're all born with but we're saved from, that these guys walk in that. They indulge in that. They like that. They live in that manner and so these guys peter saying you know these false teachers they cater to those defiling passions their sinful flesh they 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 have a passion for it they they give in to that sinful nature and so he comes into this saying look these guys are just into that well in what way well then he says here in verse 9 especially they despise authority today we would say well they have a problem with authority and part of the sinful flesh right is to have this rebellious nature against authority above us and really ultimately it goes back to god that man in his sinful nature doesn't like to do what god says because of that sin within us so it's this sinful flesh manifesting itself in this rebelliousness rebelliousness See, they can't stand anybody telling them what to do. They can't stand anybody telling them what to say. They can't stand anybody uh, controlling them, where to go, and all of that. So these false teachers, they don't like this control. They want to be the ones in control because they're into their sinful flesh, because that's what they're about. That's what they live in. So they think they're really something. They think they are really something. You know, I, I think about this, right? Um, uh, we do it, don't we? The sign says, wet paint. And what do you want to do? Let's see, right? Or, you know, the, the old ad is, keep off the grass. Oh, watch me now. You know, we walk on the grass. Or even our, our toddler grandkids sometimes like, oh, no, don't, don't touch that. Don't do that. And what do they do? With a smile, Right? It's, it's in that sinful nature of us that we don't want to be told what to do. And if we're told what to do, we're going to do the opposite. Well, that's what these guys are. They think they're really something that they're the ones. They're the ones who should be in control. They're the ones who should be saying. They're the ones who, sh- who are above everybody. And they're the ones who in their own self think that they're something. Why do we do that even in ourselves? I mean, we have that tendency, don't we? Sometimes someone tells us something and we kind of, uh, inside, we say, mm, I don't want to do that. Especially if it's somebody we don't like, right? But yet they're our boss. Or, or maybe uh, uh, they're in our, we want to respect our elders. Maybe they're in our family. But they say something we're like, uh, 
right? And it kind of boils inside us. Maybe it doesn't come out, but it's still inside. It's still that attitude. Why do we do that? It's our sinful flesh. It's our sinful flesh that, you know, we once walked in. We once were like that. Christ freed us from, but we still battle inside of us in those areas. And some of you more than others. We are rebellious by nature. And so it'll come out and we'll battle that inside of us. Well, it goes on here in verse 10. Peter writes, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Now, Peter goes on and he, what he's talking about is it really comes out in this manner. They're bold and willful against glorious ones. Let's look at that. Bold and willful. The, it means they're proud and they're, they're arrogant. They're, they're pridefully bold, basically. And they're willful. They want to do what they want to do because of their pride. They're very arrogant. And again, they think they are something. And where does it come out? Well, Peter writes here in verse 10, they do not tremble. They're not afraid. There's no qualms about this. There's no backing down. There's no even thought about it as they blaspheme, as they put down, as they slander the glorious ones. What's that? Well, it's speaking about supernatural beings. It's really talking about angels. And I'm going to define this even a little more in a moment but it's talking about spiritual supernatural beings that are 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 way more powerful like angelic beings are way more powerful than you way way more uh, mighty that he's going to say that in a moment they don't even are they're not nervous about that they just come forward they they're, they're bold and willful they're proud and arrogant they're, they're like no way you, you're not going to take me down here They are so full of themselves, they have no qualms about these angelic spiritual beings. You know, in 2 Kings, we get a a little peek into how powerful angels really are. In 2 Kings 18.33, remember when Israel faced the huge army of Assyrians, right? But God said, no, I'm going to be with you. And then God sent one angel. And that one angel went out and killed, do you remember? 185,000 enemy combatants. Israel didn't have to do anything. This one angel took care of this huge army. Well, these false teachers, these false prophets, they have an overinflated view of themselves. So they make light of these mighty spiritual beings. They think they are really something. So Peter brings in this this example of these guys. Now in verse 11, he adds this, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous word of judgment against them, these supernatural beings, before the Lord. Now what's Peter saying here? Well, Peter's saying the false teachers, they'll cross a line that even Angels, and I would specifically say holy angels who, who are mighty and powerful, they don't cross this line. But these false teachers, they crossed this line. So who is this them? They don't pronounce a blasphemous statement uh, against 
them before the Lord. Who's, who's them? Well, it's speaking about uh, these glorious ones in verse 10. Who specifically is the glorious ones in verse 10? Who's them here? Well, you know who they are? They're the fallen angels. Peter's talking about the demons and even Satan himself. So let me make this, give you the idea here. So Peter's saying God's holy angels, they never rebuke like in judgment before the Lord. They leave it to God to do that. They're not the ones to do that. That's the Lord to do that. They themselves, no matter they're mighty and powerful, they don't even do that to say those things to these demons or Satan. What the false teachers do, holy angels never do when they, they don't rebuke uh, Satan and his demons. Now, turn to Jude, the book of Jude. It's the book right before Revelation. If you hit Revelation, uh, which is the last book, you've gone too far. It, uh, it's after First uh, and Second and Third John. But if you turn to the book of Jude, and we've referenced this many times, because uh, in this chapter it's parallel to what's written uh, in Second Peter. So Second Peter, Jude, kind of go side by side. Uh, maybe they cheated and looked at each other's papers. No, I think it was the Holy Spirit speaking here. But if you look in Jude, look at verse 8. Jude writes here, Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject what? Authority, and again, blaspheme the glorious ones. And then it says in verse 9, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, same phrase as in 2 Peter, but said what? The Lord rebuke you. So you understand what's going on here. Now, we don't know exactly about this dispute over the body of Moses. There's nothing else written. We don't know what really is going on here. Perhaps the devil wanted to take the body of Moses and and have it somewhere so that uh, people would make a church out of it like people do and make a shrine and people worship Moses. But but God doesn't want that because he was the greatest prophet. And we learned Wednesday he was the meekest man of the whole earth. And so Moses wouldn't want that either. But but we don't know what's going on. But what we do know from this scripture is that Michael, the archangel, you know, Michael, the archangel, one of the high ranking, if not the highest ranking angel, you would say in his position, even Michael would not rebuke the devil himself. That's not something he would do. What he would rather do in contending over this is he would say, the Lord rebuke you, God rebuke you. And so putting all this together, you get this idea of what these false teachers and these false prophets were doing. They were rebuking Satan. They were rebuking the demons. They were thinking that they are something and that they could do that. But we read here in Jude in this parallel passage to Second Peter that Michael, the archangel, that probably the highest holy angel in ranking would not even do that. More powerful than any of us. And yet these false teachers are doing that. 
You know, this should make us think, shouldn't it? When people say, I rebuke you, Satan. Is that biblical? I think more biblical is the Lord rebuke you. Because we don't want to make ourselves something that we're really not. Besides that, I would rather spend my time talking to God than talking to Satan. Well, this is a peek behind the curtain, and we see, first of all, these false teachers, they think they are really something. Going back to Second Peter, we come to number two. They think they are above everything. They think they are above everything. Here we're going to look at verses 12 through 16. But let's first look at the uh, few verses here. Verse 12. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in the destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls and we're going to stop right there now these false teachers peter begins in verse 12 these guys these false teachers they're like irrational animals creatures of instinct what is he saying here well he's saying they're they're like animals irrational animals that don't reason that's what he means here. that they just react with instinct that's it. They just do what they do, instinct, because of what they are. And they're like animals. You know, think about it. When God breathed into the first human beings, you know what? They became what? A living soul, right? And we as human beings have the ability to reason and to make a choice on things that God brings us. And so we can respond and make a choice to do what he wants us to do. But the false teachers, no, they're like basically wild animals giving in to their bodily appetites. That's really the idea here. It says that, that in verse um, 14, that, uh, where are we? Verse 12, sorry, that they are ignorant in the middle of that. That they, they, they fooling themselves. They think that it's okay, but they're ignorant to what they're really doing. And they are like, he says in verse 12, born to be caught and destroyed. In other words, they're, they're like born to be caught like animals. Ultimately, they're going to be caught and destroyed or eaten like animals that we eat. They're like that, that their destiny is basically to be caught and butchered. In other words, these false teachers are heading toward that destruction to be destroyed, or at the end of verse 12, destroyed in their destruction. In other words, judged. So these guys carry themselves like they'll never be held accountable in their ignorance, in their what they don't understand, that what they're doing is so wrong that God's going to judge that. They think they are above everything, above everything. Verse 13 talks about that and how they will suffer wrong as for the wage for their wrongdoing. They do a lot of wrong. And what's that wrong? Well, they count it a pleasure to revel in their daytime. really talks about how they take pleasure indulging in sin. Uh, And they do it openly 
when we read daytime, the idea, they do it openly. They don't try and hide it. They're shameless in their sin. And they become, here in verse 13, blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. Probably it speaks here about back then in the New Testament days, the early church, they, they would have agape feasts where they would get together and have food and then partake in communion together, which we're doing next Sunday, and they would have a feast around that. And you remember in 1 Corinthians, the, the guys there in that church, they were like partying it up, basically. They weren't respecting what it's all about. Well, that's these guys up, up, in, up in the level of making it even more wrong where they just come in and do their thing to not respect, not to do anything for God. No regard to the spiritual meaning of what communion is. And so Peter's like, these guys are blood. They're blemishes, you know, like, like a, a, a lamb that is blemishes and accepted by the Lord. There's spots on them. They're, they're, they're not right in what they're doing. And so blemished. Corrupted they are. Verse 14 we read, they have fools, eyes full of adultery. All they're about is lust, immorality. They're, they're, they have insatiable sin. In other words, they're never satisfied with sin. They, they want to keep sinning. They want more. And I think the worst thing is in verse 14, they entice unsteady souls. They draw the weak into sin. Remember, these guys come in like they're godly. Like, oh, I got it together. And they come in, but they, they come in to lead people astray. And they misuse scripture. They misuse a, a, a prayer and the word and everything and lead astray, basically, the immature. So they think they can do this. They think they can get away. They think they are above everything. And that's how they live. You know, in the book of Judges, the nation of Israel really went far from God. If you read that book, uh, they're supposed to be the people of God. They're supposed to be people who God placed there in, in the promised land. They're supposed to have God as their king and the Lord. But they didn't do that. They went after what they wanted to go after, and that was other idols and the pagan idols. And they got into the the culture there, the Gentile culture. And basically, they shunned the authority of God over there. They put themselves out of under the rule of God, and they became their own rulers. That's why the last verse of Judges uh, uh, in chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think we could be like that sometimes. Yeah, We get caught up into our own thing, what we want to do. We despise the authority of God. We despise the word. We, we're like, ah, I'm not into that because I want to do what I want to do. And everything we do, we justify saying, well, this is right for me. We see that going on in the world. We see that even in our own lives in certain areas where we are wandering away. Careful about that. Well, another big issue with false teachers is look at verse 14 now. In verse 
15 and 16. It says, They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, a son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked in his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So as we go on here, Peter brings up another big thing. And that is a big issue is that false teachers is that in verse 14, their hearts were trained in greed. That's why they're accursed children. That's why judgment is coming upon them. It's interesting. The word train here is the Greek word gymnasio, where we get our word gymnasium. And so they, were, they go train in the gymnasium of what? Greed. Of greed. They got really really strong in greed. They got really, ex, became really good, uh, you know, people of greed. Good ex, they were experts uh, in asking for money. That's what these guys are about. They use their position we've talked about before for self-gain. And, and we understand, right? Uh, it, and I mentioned this before and even earlier in, in our chapter here in our other studies, we saw that they were immoral, they were lustful, and one of the things is they were into money. They're into their power, into their possession, and into the money, these false teachers. That's what they were really about. Well, in that, Peter writes about how they forsake the right way. They 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 gone astray and they followed what? The way of Balaam. Do you remember Balaam? He was basically that false prophet in the Old Testament. In Numbers 22. Do you remember uh, the, the king of Moab, Balak, hired Balaam to stand over the people of Israel and cursed him. Because God was with Israel and Moab didn't like it. And God used Israel to, to conquer other peoples. And Moab, they didn't like it. And the king of Moab, well, you know what? I want to hire you, Balaam, to come and curse Israel so that we would win, that we would take over. And if you remember the story back in Numbers 22, well, well, Balaam's like, "Uh, I I can only say what uh, um, God wants me to say, but hey, yeah, I'll go. But God stopped him, right? Several times. And God really stopped him when he was going out to do this. And the Lord, an angel of the Lord, which talks about a pre-incarnate Christ there, stood in the way. The donkey saw the Lord, wouldn't go. And, and, and Balaam's like, on this donkey, go, what's wrong with you? Go, go. And remember, then the donkey turned around and talked. Hey, why are you doing this to me? Hey, I was good. I've been good to you. Why are you beating me? You know, why are you doing this? And, and, and Balaam, like, without skipping a beat, has a conversation with the donkey. Which you would think, wait, whoa, what? There's something here, right? Well, then Balaam was uh, rebuked and by the speechless donkey, Peter writes here, with a human voice to try and restrain the prophet's madness. But did that stop him? No, the story goes on that. No, he kept after it. He wanted that money. Till finally, when even though God would, would give him blessing on Israel when he went to say a curse and the king kept getting mad, the king of Moab. Moab. Finally, Balaam says, you know what? This is how you get Israel. Send your pretty women, the young women, 
into Israel, have a barbecue, invite all the men out, and then they'll co-mingle there, and they will corrupt the men. And that's what Balaam told Balak in how to defeat Israel. That's evil, you guys. That's evil, to entice the people of God to do evil and to do that bidding that a king wanted to defeat Israel in that way, that is so evil. And you know what? Balaam didn't care. What did he want? The money. Because of his greed. So Peter's like, remember Balaam? He acted like a prophet of God, but it was all for money. Well, same as these false teachers. That's what they're into. These false teachers, they think they're above everything. That this is okay. That it doesn't matter. I was thinking about this. What would I do if suddenly one of our cats talked to me? Right? (laughs) Meow, meow. Hey, hey, Rick, why are you doing this? Hey, Rick. I mean, would I have a conversation? No, I, I would probably stop and go, whoa, this is really weird. You know, wait, is there some, you know, computer chip somewhere? <laughs> you know, like, like uh, what was that? Up, oh, there's that little translator and the dog could talk, you know, and all that. What was the dog's name? Dave or something. Hi, I'm Dave. Or something like that. I mean, but it would stop you, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you, like, put attention on, wait, this is not normal. I think it would get my attention. But see, Balaam was so far gone. So far into his greed, so far gone that even the donkey talking, he just talked back and was mad at the donkey. We don't want to get to that point. We don't want to get to that point where God has to take extreme measures to speak to us. He's speaking to us right now. And you could say, I I feel like, why am I here? God, you're using, quote-unquote, donkey right here to speak. Who am I to share your word. So listen, God is speaking. You know, it was on my heart this morning as I prayed that, that God is appointed this time for you and I to be here. He's, he, he brought us here. It's not by chance. Yeah, good, you made the choice and the effort to come. Praise God for that, because we should do that on Sunday. We should seek after God, not our own things. We should push everything aside and seek Him. But sovereignly, God has appointed this time for you and I to be here. He's appointed the certain songs of worship for us to sing. Those words that we could express our heart to God and those words the Holy Spirit can use to minister to our own hearts. To bring us into a spiritual mindset. A godly mindset. A mindset of the principles of the Word of God. A mindset of telling us who God is. What a wonderful name, right? Holy, holy. To bring us out of the muck of this world and our week to bring us here to this place where we can meet with God. This is a divine appointment. And in that divine appointment, we open the Word. And in, in the Word, we happen to be here. We happen to be in this passage. We need to be listening. Though maybe you're not a false prophet or a false teacher. And maybe you need to be wary. Maybe you're being taught. That there are today false teachers and false prophets out there. 
But these guys are into their sinful nature, their sinful flesh. And we have to be weary that we don't get pulled into our old ways like these guys live. So don't be like them thinking you're above everything. But let's stay humble to find the voice of God telling us where we need to grow. Where we should apply things. That the word of God is speaking. No, I'm okay. Uh, I'm all right. I'm okay with what I'm doing. Is it really right though? What is the word of God saying? Don't pick and choose. And say, well, I like this. I don't like that. Sometimes the things we don't like, it's because, you know, we don't want to deal with it. Or we like our sin. We need to be serious about God because this is a divine appointment. And just as the donkey was divinely appointed to talk to Balaam, and Balaam really didn't listen, you know what? We need to listen. We need to listen. And how God is using me, just nobody, a nobody, in speaking to you the words of God. All right. So here's the peak behind the curtain. They think they are really something. They think they are above everything. And number three is they think they can say anything. They think they can say anything. Verse 17 through 19 here. These are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. For them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh. Those are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever comes, or for whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Now, Peter goes on here saying, verse 17, that when these false teachers speak, right, they claim to be speaking the truth of God or speaking for God as false prophets. Well, Peter says in verse 17, no, these guys are really waterless springs. That they look like they're springs, but there's nothing really substantial coming out. Nothing that really satisfies. They are, are he goes on to say, that, uh, they're mists driven by the storm. In other words, uh, they're like vapor, mist, of, of, uh, looking like it's going to rain, driven by the wind, but the rain doesn't come. You know, those days when oh, it's starting to drizzle, and you're like, yeah, we need water. Yeah, my, I, I, my lawn needs water. And then nothing. It's like, huh, looks like clouds, looks like dark clouds. And it doesn't happen. Well, that's these guys. They think, they, they look like or sound like they speak for God, but there's no substance in that. And the only dark cloud you could say that comes for them is the gloom of other dark darkness has been reserved. And that's just talking about judgment. Again, it's talking about hell. It's talking about God will bring justice on these guys in the end. And then he says, for speaking loud boasts of folly. What's he saying? They're speaking loud boasts of empty words. They're saying this about the Lord, this about themselves, this about their qualifications, but really they're just empty words. But with that, they entice now. They lure people in. They fool people in by sensual passions of the flesh. Now, that's interesting. 
They talk in a manner, they twist things in a way that they say this is God, but it's really luring people in a sensual way, in a fleshly way, to trap those who here it says in verse 18, who are barely escaping from those who live in error. In others, they talk to people who barely made it, barely came out of their sinful life, and now they're talking to them in a way to appeal to their flesh again. How evil is that? Luring them, trying to trap them. And so Peter says, they promise freedom from that bondage of sin, but they really bring people back into being slaves of corruption. So these false teachers, Peter's saying right here, that they themselves, they, they haven't been, uh, they themselves are slaves of corruption. They themselves are caught up in the flesh as we've been reading. They, that's what they're about. They're in bondage to that. Well, they talk like they're free, but they're not really free. And in a sense, they lure, they entice people back into their sins. And the truth is, I like this. End of verse 19, and perhaps that's something God is speaking to you about this morning. The end of verse 19 says, For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Isn't that heavy? The NLT says it this way. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. So here's the idea. Peter's saying these guys come in and, and what they talk about, they say it's about the Lord, about God, about the word. They say it's God's message, but they really appeal to the flesh. That's what they're doing. They're really appealing to our to our sinful nature. They're really touching on that, to our desires, to, 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 and leading us away from the truth. They come in like saying, well, if you do this, you get that. Doesn't that appeal to us? Oh, yeah. If I just do this, then God will give me that. That appeals to, to our nature inside of well, it has nothing to do with your relationship with God, your obedience with God. It, it's more like, oh, put this in and I'll get this out kind of thing. They offer like, well, hey, you know, it's okay. I mean, the word really doesn't say that. God allows that. I mean, he, he loves you and it's okay. But what does that do? It appeals to your flesh. You go, oh, yeah, then it's okay I do this. Oh, well, Jesus drank. I get that back a lot of times. Oh, yeah, you know, Paul said, hey, tell Timothy to drink so I can drink, right? But they don't understand the scripture and what's really being said. And then you're back into bondage. So in what we're reading, think about, yeah, someone who, who just barely made it out. They, they're recovering from alcohol. And then they see the pastor drinking. Oh, must be okay. And then they're right back into it. So it's that kind of idea. But see, these guys are saying these things for gain. These guys are saying anything to get you to follow them and give you money. So they think they can say anything. And they do that by appealing to your flesh and get you back into bondage. You know, there's a doctrine, a false doctrine, I should say, that has infiltrated 
the church as a whole. And it's been going on for years, ever since I've been a Christian uh, and came to Jesus. I've, I've heard of this over and over and over and over again. And it's something that we call prosperity gospel. Have you ever heard that? Prosperity gospel. That God wants you to prosper. That God wants your business to flourish and to increase your bank account. To increase you. You know, God wants you to have a big house. Doesn't he want to bless you? Doesn't the word say that? God wants you to have a new car. All you have to do is you got to believe. You got to have enough faith. And when you have enough faith, when you get to that point of faith, then God will give it to you. Matter of fact, you can name it and claim it. Right? Is that really right? Demanding of God. Is that really right that we got to have a certain amount of faith? I mean, Jesus said, even a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. I don't see that in the Bible. But what do they do? They play upon our fleshly desires. Oh, yeah. Well, God wants to bless me. Yeah, I want more, right? I want a bigger house. Oh, my two-year-old Toyota is not good enough. Yeah, I, I like that brand new Mercedes, you know, right? It appeals to our flesh and they bring in these promises of God and twist it around saying, yes, God, this is what God wants. But of course, first give to our ministry. You got to cast your bread upon the waters and then give to our ministry and then, yes, it'll come back on you. Of course, it's that because why? As we see here, the false teachers are very greedy. They're into money. The design is to entice you with the desires of the flesh. And I think it's going on even now. In subtle ways. Through COVID. Even through our, what we're living through here on Maui with the tragedies and disasters. That in a subtle way, there's this, there's, there's this talk of um, hating government. Being hostile to government. And, and I'm not saying government is perfect. They are, there's evil in there. There's people in power who, are, who have wicked motivations and everything. I'm not saying that. But, but sometimes if you listen to these people too much, it's like, yeah, right? It's, it's not right, you guys. Because both these things, listen to me. Where does it put our eyes? It appeals to our desires. Yeah, our right, my right. Yeah, yeah, me, me, me. Right? All about me. It puts our attention on the now, on me. And it takes our eyes of, off of what? The eternal. This isn't our home. This is all temporary. It takes our eyes off of laying treasures in heaven, not on the earth. It takes our eyes off of, you know what? Jesus is... Is, is returning soon. We're going to be with Him. We need to live for Him today. It needs to be about Jesus. We need to fulfill our mission. What's our mission? To amass our wealth and goods and everything? To have a nice life with a nice government? Doing what, bidding what we want? Even if it's Christian? What is our mission? To proclaim Jesus. To shine the light. To spread the gospel. Because our eyes are on eternity. And one day all this is going to be gone. And the people right around you. 
If they don't have Christ, where are they going? To hell. They're going to live through the tribulation. See, we got to set our eyes and our focus right. I was reading a devotion the other day that said, keep a light touch on the world. I thought, yes, Lord. Remind me what I'm about. Remind me why I'm here. Remind me that eternity is my goal. You, Jesus, is my goal. That's what it's about. And it's about, not about my glory, right? How great I am or how much stuff I get today in this world and this time. No, it's about God's glory. It's not about me building up my life, but it's about having a life of God in me. And that's what matters, you guys. That's what matters. There's a lot of false things going out there. And you may not like what I'm saying, but look at the effect of what you're listening to or watching. Ask yourself this. Is what I'm listening to build up, build me up or build God up? Is what I'm listening or watching feed my soul or feed my flesh? Does it stir up fleshly things? Lusting, greed, anger, hostility? Or does it stir up worship? Does it stir up glorifying God and wanting more of Jesus? Look at what you're watching, what you're listening to. Sometimes I start watching these surfing videos, but after a while, I mean, they're, they're okay, they're innocent. But after a while, I think, why am I spending so much time on that when I could be worshiping, you know? And I started to feel this like, wow, Lord, I want this. Uh, not that. And some other things I watched, was like, oh, I'm getting more sensitive to the darkness, if, if you understand what I mean. I want that pureness, the light of God, the love of God, His holiness and worship. So ask yourself these things. People can say anything, but what are, what am I listening to? All right, peek behind the curtain. We see all false teachers. They think they're really something. They think they are above everything. Uh, they think they can say anything. And lastly, they think they are, but are really Nothing. They think they are, but are really nothing. And we'll finish up the chapter here in our message this morning with verse 20 to 22. It says, For it, after they have escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. All right, Peter goes on 
talking about how these false teachers, they, they seem like they're saved. They're, they seem like they're really men of God and all that. They seem like that, that they, they did perhaps have had a certain experience. But he says, but think about this. For if, notice he says here in verse 20, if, right, that they, they did escape the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like, if they really escaped the defilement, the word there really talks about, like, pollution or even more so like disease you know thinking about oh yeah we lived through covid time you know uh, if they escaped they weren't they didn't catch you know they were saved out of that disease of the world through what through jesus if if they're really saved if 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 they really did escape but then they are again entangled in the defilements of the world and they're overcome they're, like they're back to living like they were before and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. And in other words, they're worse off than before. That if they did, like they say, uh, were saved, but then they're back, you know what? They're worse off. Why? Because they're self-deceived. Because they're talking like, it's okay that I live like this, that I go back and live this old life, it's okay. I'm, I'm okay. God's okay with me. But they're not okay. They're not. For Peter says, you know, in verse 21, for it would have been better they never known the way of righteous, like know Jesus after knowing it and then turn back from the holy commandment of delivering that's been delivered to them. I mean, he's, he's saying, look, Peter's saying, it would have been better they never knew about Jesus. Because after knowing and turning back uh, to the old ways and, 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 and turning back from like rejecting Jesus, they're just making it more worth rejecting. They're going back to your old nature like that. Peter's like, you know, they're just making it worse because they think they're okay, basically. Oh, I'm saved, yeah. You know, it's like people say, well, I prayed the prayer. I prayed for Jesus to come in my heart when I was five years old. I know I'm saved. Yet, there's no evidence. They're still enslaved or in bondage to sin. They're still out there partying, drinking, into drugs. They're still sleeping around. There's, there's no difference. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm saved. They think they're okay, but they're not. And so they're in a far worse state because they're not open to thinking they're not okay and then to really receive Jesus and be saved. So Peter's like, you know what they're like? They're going back to their old nature. They don't show any fruit of salvation, and they're like this. And that's what he says in verse 22. He quotes Proverbs 26, and he's talking about it's what's true. What the proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. The sow, the pig, after washing herself, goes back into the mire or the mud. You know, dogs back then, they were feral, basically. They weren't really domesticated. And they would do gross things. And, and I guess still today, yeah, dogs would still, like, eat their own vomit. That's kind of, like, really gross. I saw that once. It made me sick. This is, and then pigs. 
pigs, you can clean a pig up, but as soon as they get a chance, they're right back rolling in the mud. So Peter's like, this is what dogs do. This is what pigs do. There's no change. That's what he's saying. It's a graphic example of these false teachers that anyone could claim to know God but not really be saved. They, can, they think they're okay. They think they are. But what do they do? They get back into sin. And there is no, what we would say, lasting fruit. They think they are, but are really nothing spiritually. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus talks exactly about this. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to target verse 21, but back up to verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets, exactly what Peter's talking about, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Yeah, they're, they're after your money. They want a following. They, they want you just to build themselves up. Verse 16, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the judgment. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. So here's what Peter's doing. What we've been talking about is that he's exposing, showing their fruits of who they really are. It's bad fruit. It's not good spiritual fruit. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So he's talking about the false prophets here. They say, Lord, Lord. They say, yes, I'm for the Lord. I know you. But Jesus says, I never knew you because they never really submitted their life to God. Something that goes along with this, it's a little, I guess, poem, but it says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and follow me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and acknowledge me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, in all of this, the Lord is calling us to be real believers. And believers who know the truth of God. That we study our Bibles and understand its principles. That we live them out. And at the same time, that we are cautious in what we listen to. That we filter it through here. That we are not led astray by Satan's schemes, using 
people and false teachers and things that are out there to lead us away from who we really are in Jesus Christ. So understand what we read today and studied. Understand the word of God. I'll close with this. It's been told how a Chinese boy wanted to learn about jade. So he went to study with this gifted, honored teacher. Well, this man, he put a piece of precious jade stone in his hand and told him to just hold that tight. As he was holding him tight, this master began to talk about philosophy, about people, men and women, about the sun, about almost everything else. After an hour, he took back the stone and sent the boy home. Well, this procedure was repeated every day for several, several weeks. Well, the boy, of course, became frustrated. When would he be told about jade? When will he talk about jade? But the boy was too polite to question the wisdom of this honorable teacher. But then one day, the old man put a stone into his hands, and the boy cried out, This is not jade. That's the way we should be. Holding the word of God always, every day, every moment we have to learn who God really is. So when we hear something, we can recognize the false. We can discern in our own spirit like, oh, nah, something's not right. And we can know what's really behind the curtain. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word today and thank you for teaching us, Lord. Lord, in this study, we, God, want to learn and we want to hear from you. And Lord, not only are you warning us of the false doctrines, false thoughts, Lord, things that Satan is putting out there. Even today, we see things floating around in the church. We see things floating in our society and community that's wrong about you and our future and And most of us, we can stand against that because we know it, Lord. But help us, God, to discern and be aware of those things that can travel into our Christian circles, Lord, that aren't really of you. And let us hold to the truth of the Word of God that talks about who you are, God, that, that reveals to us who you are and what salvation is and who we are now and, and that Lord, we would keep our eyes upon eternity that we know what we are in today is not everything, but our goal is one day to be with you. And so, Lord, keep us pure in our thoughts. Help us to put a a gate up, a guard up to what we may watch or see, that those things wouldn't enter in to corrupt us, but that whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, that we would think on those things, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is godly, that those things would be upon our heart, that your word, Lord, would cleanse us, purify us, and be in us in such a way, Lord, that we would just continue to fall in love with you and do everything we can to glorify you. So, Lord, thank you for speaking to us. And may we walk out of here not like forgetting everything, 
but applying those things that you specifically talk to us about. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to live for you, God, and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen.